This is Crypto Radio, powered by MoneyWeb, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. In November, the African Wealth Fund announced its intention to establish a bank in South Africa called Maven Mutual. Sonny Fisher is the founder of the African Wealth Fund and also CEO of the Forus Group of Companies. What's different about this bank is its plan to use cryptocurrencies known as stablecoins, in this case a coin known as ZARX, which is backed one-to-one with the RAND. This token is managed and distributed through the Forest Digital Platform, which is a clearinghouse for digital assets. Sonny, there's been some debate as to why we need a stable coin such as Zarex, since the value of the RAND has declined massively over the last 50 years, largely because of fiscal mismanagement and overprinting of the currency unit. And this is why millions of people prefer Bitcoin, because it'll only ever have 21 million coins in issue. What's your answer to that? I think that it's horses for courses. You know, Bitcoin is not really a suitable, you know, buying tomatoes on the side of the road. It really acts as a commodity like gold. So you could no more sell tomatoes for gold than you could for Bitcoin. I think what people need is the convenience, the speed, and um, the free um, that cryptocurrency brings. But people need to trade in an asset that they understand. So by linking it to the RAND, you've got the advantage of being digital, but um, it's still a value that people can relate to. So I think it's a step too far. You need to take one step first and get people used to paying digital and get rid of cash before you introduce a new currency. Okay, tell us a bit about Maven Mutual, the new bank that's being launched. When will it open and how will it do things differently to other banks? Just started our application process with the Reserve Bank. It's supposed to take roughly uh, six months uh, to open, but we're hoping that we'll get it done a bit faster. And what's different about it is is really everything. To start with, it's a bank built and designed by and for SMMEs. Um, so it's a business bank. Um, I think that um, SMMEs are the worst served market in the world today. I don't know if you've ever tried to get a small business loan, but I think you've got a better chance of winning the lottery whilst being struck by life. So what we've done is we've created a banking platform that works for banks. And you know, South Africa has a strange um, banking uh, setup where we, we only have a handful of banks. In the U.S., there's 6,500 banks, and most of them are cooperatives or credit unions that are owned by their customers. So what we've done is we've taken the best of the cooperative banking model, and we've combined that with distributed ledger technology to give small businesses products that they need. So what do most businesses need access to capital? So we use the blockchain and what's called decentralized finance to make finance available to small businesses. All right. So are you going to have the normal credit approval process or is this going to be done in a different way? I, I mean, I hear your point about small no, businesses. completely different way. Completely Explain that. Different just way. Ex- Let me give you some examples. Yeah. For example, we look at the business risk, not the lender's risk. So let's take Ubers, for example. There are so many Uber drivers out there who don't own their vehicles. There's some um, wealthy person that's financed the car because they have a black mark against their name, as do most South Africans, because you can't navigate the financial system without getting into trouble here. So as a result, they can't get financed. So they land up paying you know, 10% over the odds for finance. They land up having to work you know, three, four hours extra a day. But really, what is the risk of funding an Uber? Um, Nobody can steal any money. You know where the asset is. It should be the easiest thing to finance on the blockchain. And there are so many people who would love to finance a vehicle and give, you know, somebody some dignity uh, and let them own their own asset. So that's an example where you can use technology to fund things where you don't need to worry about the person's personal credit. 
it's the business. Another great example is supermarkets. We can provide a business working capital finance, approve it instantly on the blockchain, and we take our repayments as they collect money from the customers. So what blockchain does is it brings you what we call trustless transactions. So you don't have an intermediary anymore that has to sit in the middle and manage the funds. Um, it's managed by smart money or, or using the blockchain. So we, we can now do things that, that weren't possible before. Another great product that I think everybody needs is a COD payment method. Um, when you do business with a large corporate and they tell you you've got 30 days, well, it lands up in, in South Africa being 60 days and 90 days. And so many SMMEs battle to get paid. Wouldn't it be great if you could just have a COD service where when the order gets placed, the funds are in escrow and when they deliver, uh, you scan and the funds are released. So I think there are a whole lot of things that, you know, the traditional banks don't look at when it comes to the practicalities of doing business. So um, th that's, the, you know, how we've approached it. And then our whole approach to how we come up for solutions uh, to the business problems is different because what we did was we created the Maven Network, which is a network of over 100 small business owners, uh, economics development experts, blockchain experts, professors, uh, high court judges, and people from, from specific industry sectors. And we've all been working together to see what are the, the things that people actually need. How do we overcome the barriers that are standing in the way of access to capital? Because I believe that's the biggest challenge facing this country. We absolutely have to get funding into the hands of small businesses. This was critical before COVID. Now, um, I think it's a crisis. If you have a look at the COVID relief that the banks, that guarantee fund that the government provided of 100 billion, the banks have only been able to lend out 15, 16 billion of that. Because there needs to be a bank that's focused on actually getting to the SMMEs, actually ensuring that they get the funding that they need. Okay, so let's just talk about decentralized finance or DeFi, which is a new way of borrowers and lenders interacting with each other. So essentially, you don't have an intermediary. You haven't got somebody there in a bank who's doing a credit assessment and you and you know and looking at you with. Uh, his eyes rolling in the back of his head. So this is going to be a different way. And what you, you use the word trustless. This is a trustless environment. So when you have a lender and a borrower, the whole thing is handled by the blockchain. And there are certain conditions attached to that loan. And I guess th this is where we get into the nitty gritty of the thing. Just explain how that would work and how you would overcome some of these normal risk factors that a bank would uh, understand. Well, let's take financing a BE procurement order. Let's say somebody got an BE small business, got an order from a government department. That should be easy to finance, but it's not because um, you're not sure that, the, that they're going to deliver, that the customer is going to be happy, and then you're going to get paid. So by putting that on the blockchain as a smart contract, what you do is you take away the need for someone to sign off on it, someone who can get bribed to pay out when they shouldn't. All of that is taken away from intermediaries as in, and is built into the process. So when the, the foreman on the job signs off to say, you know, this is done, you can then release payment with automatically without having somebody there who has to say, we can release payment now. Because that's where the opportunity for, you know, things to go wrong where it happens. So you don't have that person holding the keys to the purse. The other advantage is you also don't have the bank who's holding it. So let's look at, at construction companies. You know, they complain that the bank doesn't release the funds as they're progressing because they have to send out somebody to inspect it. A lot of those kinds of things can be built into the blockchain so that when the, when the customer, you know, takes ownership of the property, you can then release it. So there are a lot of examples where um, 
you know, there's there's an individual who's sitting there who has to review documents um, where that can can fall away. It takes the risk out of it. And when you do that, you can do it at scale. So you, you need the scale to mitigate the risk. You need lots of borrowers because you can't have a scenario where you have one or two and they fail. So that's really the, the other big thing. Apart from the, the trustless transaction, it allows you to scale. Because the, the problem with the commercial banks is very difficult for them to do these small loans because of the administration involved. So you want to make it as, as, as um, seamless as possible. And also we use artificial intelligence to work out the level of uh, a loan that a business uh, can absorb by looking at their past historical sales. So all of this technology can be brought to bear in a digital environment. But if you're talking about a scenario where everything's manual, where people still have to capture the books, figure out what's going on in the business, it becomes impossible to finance. So the real key here is you have to be digital end to end. And that's the part that's been missing. You know, we have a banking system that's made up of, you know, the old analog systems with mainframes and, and still COBOL. And we have these digital technologies that are trying to get into the market. Uh, what we've done is we've got an end to end a digital um, um, bank where even the money is digital. And one needs to understand what a token is versus a bank account, right? So a bank account, your money, your bank balance sits at your bank is at APSA, mine's at Standard Bank. And when we change when we do transactions, both banks have to update their systems. And it's a pretty complex process. With digital money with a stable coin, what we're doing is we're passing money between each other without requiring a bank. You don't need a bank account either. You don't need a bank account. All right. So you've been involved in assisting governments and central banks develop what are known as central bank digital currencies or CBDCs. Just explain what those are and what are the benefits of these. So, you know, with uh, the threat of Libra, Facebook introducing their own currency, um, the central banks of the world got a big wake-up call and um, realized that if they don't get into the digital space, um, they could become irrelevant. And um, central banks you know, have a, a key role in the economy in terms of managing the, the systemic risks, you know, uh, bank oversight, and, and, and a lot of functions you know, outside of just managing money. Um, so what happened was um, the Bank of International Settlements, the European Central Bank, um, the Bank of England, Bank of Switzerland, Bank of Japan, Bank of Canada, and about um, 30 other central banks have got together now to collaborate with some private um, companies like um, the blockchain companies like uh, For Us. And there's a global working group going on that started on the 14th of September and runs into um, 2021 where we're all collaborating to create a central uh, and um, common platform where central banks can issue digital currency. And the reason why that uh, the banks are looking at now is, uh, apart from the threat of companies like Libra and Facebook privatizing money and governments losing control over it, it's also the need to drive financial inclusion. I think a lot of the commercial banks um, have landed up competing and have kept innovation out of the market where I think the central banks recognize that if we want to bring the cost of remittances down across the world with people sending money back home, it's going to require a global intervention. So, you know, introducing a new money system into the world uh, is a mammoth uh, undertaking. And um, it really is amazing. Um, now that the world has got together and said, we need to collaborate. And it's being run under Chatham House rules, which means that everybody gets to collaborate and give their contribution uh, anonymously. 
and um, the IP and the processes will be owned by the community. So I think that's the part that's been missing from the payment space. Everybody's been trying to be the one that owns the customer. It's going to be M-Pesa. It's going to be MTN Money. It's going to be um, this wallet or that wallet. No, the answer is that we all need to share a common platform to bring the costs of doing business down. So right. by having a digital platform that's that's overseen by the central banks, it, it brings that confidence. I have a question about central banks getting involved in digital currencies. One of the reasons that Bitcoin was formed was because it had, as, as part of its DNA, the fact that there will be a limited issue. There will never be more than 21 million. One of the problems that you have with central bank digital currencies is that there's no limit on the issuance. Uh, so if you do have digital currencies issued by central banks, you may have a new channel for them just to continue inflating away their money. What, what do you say to that? Um, I think that's not an issue that's uh, related to the, whether it's digital or not. I think that central banks are going to be controlling money supply from here, uh, here on out for the foreseeable future. I think that um, it needs to uh, be within the bounds of the, the government and the political system, as opposed to having an organization like Facebook or some anonymous organization controlling it. I, I just don't think um, it's realistic because um, there's so many factors that, that and so many intermediaries involved in the financial system. It's just too um, simplistic to say you're going to take all of that governance, all of that anti- anti-money laundering, all of the balance of payment, um, um, concerns that, are, that countries have, cash um, outflows, all of these things are managed through the traditional banking system. So the money supply is far, far more complicated than just that. I think where it will help currencies like the RAND is at the moment money is pouring out the country in every possible way that it can, um, particularly in things like Bitcoin. And that's what deflates the value of the currency. Um, with central banks getting involved in these kind of instruments, that can provide the, the flexibility of, of Bitcoin sending money anywhere in the world uh, easily, but they need to regulate it. So um, the regulation of the money supply and the whole concept of fiat banking and how banks introduce money is really a separate argument to what technology we use to provide financial services. But I, I think what this will do is it will provide a lot more transparency on what's going on in the market. There's been a debate as to whether cryptocurrencies are the beasts that have escaped the pen. I mean, governments can try to regulate them, but there's only so much they can do since Bitcoin has no real location and it's easily, you can't really easily identify where it is. Are these central bank digital currencies an attempt to rein in this beast and will they work? Definitely. That, that beast needs to be reined in because you need to have the convenience of Bitcoin. It's amazing to be able to just, you know, buy and sell something, somebody um, without having to put in bank account details and worry about that kind of thing. So the ease of use and the flexibility is great. But the problem is um, you've got no control over money laundering, drug smuggling, you know, uh, gambling, etc. So I don't think that necessarily um, all kinds of money transactions can be anonymous. Um, when you're doing business with someone, you need to know who you're paying. Um, when you receive money from someone, you need to know that you're receiving it from a legitimate source. So anonymous doesn't work when it comes to business transactions. You need to know who you're doing business with. So I think that that thing that makes it attractive to speculators and people who are looking to get money out of the country is the reason why the central banks need to come in with the same technology that, that has all the benefits. But you need to regulate it because there are so many syndicates, money laundering uh, groups out there who will pounce on anything given half a chance. And today we have no idea how much of Bitcoin transactions are legitimate and how much are used you know, for nefarious means. You want to have the ease of that technology and you want to have the flexibility. 
but you want to know that you're not doing business with a, a drug dealer on the other side. So um, I think that the two worlds have to meet, ultimately. All right. And Maven Mutual, this is quite an interesting development. Is there any talk in your project planning there to attack the mass market, or is it mainly the SMEs? Well, you know, um, the SMEs and their customers, right? And and those are the unbanked. So um, because it's free uh, and because it's blockchain-based, we also have a card solution where you can load your digital money on your card. Um, I think that very much this is for the mass market. But what the mass market needs is a card that they can use in their communities. One of the problems with the legacy banking system with Visa and MasterCard is, you know, you, your card won't work in a place where there's no cell phone reception, which is most of the rural areas. So this is a system that's definitely for the unbanked. Uh, we have a great solution that we're running out in the taxi industry for transport. Um, it's a great solution for migrant workers. So uh, very much so, um, you know, we'll be pulling in the, that uh, sector of the market, but by banking the people that they do business with so that they don't need to use cash. All right. Sonny Fisher, we're going to leave it there. Sonny Fisher is the founder of the African Wealth Fund and also CEO of the For Us group of companies.